I'm going to start a new series today on the book of Jonah, and I, I tried to come up with a good series title, and of course, uh, putting the word Jonah in there kind of tells you what it's about, and we're going to see over the next these next four Sundays uh, a little bit of what God did in Jonah and what God wants to do in us. So today I'm going to start preach from Jonah 1, 1 through 3. It says this, you can read on the screen or follow along on your phone or in your Bible. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for the wickedness. Their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee from Tarshish. He arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so for just a little bit today, I'm going to preach Jonah fleeing from his presence. Fleeing from his presence. We have a God who speaks, but we are in a world where people worship all kinds of gods. And in fact, in Jonah's day, they were worshiping idols. People were worshiping all kinds of things made with hands. In essence, they were silent gods, gods who could not speak, gods who could not intervene in their lives, gods who could not tell them what he wanted them to do. We have people who worship all kinds of things today. They worship a variety of at a variety of altars, whether it's materialism, whether it's money, whether it is uh, uh, sports, you name it, they worship at all kinds of altars. And so there, because of that, unlike the silent gods of old, unlike the, the idols of old, there are all kinds of voices that people have to deal with, all kinds of things that they have to interact with, all kinds of things that are vying for their attention. That we have, unlike the silent gods, we have a cacophony. If I like that word, look at your neighbor and say cacophony. That means a lot of noise. They have a lot of noise that they have to go through in order to hear the voice of God. But we do have a God who speaks. We have a God who is trying to get our attention in the middle of all of the things that are going on around us. And in the middle of all of the voices that are speaking, we have a God who speaks. Unlike the God of deism, deism is a theological belief that God set everything in motion. He kind of wound up the watch, so to speak. And of course, most of you, you probably don't even know about watches that wind up. Anybody have a watch you actually have to wind up? Anybody ever seen one? (laughs) Those of us over 40, you've seen those. But they, they, they believe that God was like a watchmaker, that he would take the watch and he wound up the universe and he put everything in motion. And after putting it in motion, he just steps back and he watches it unfold and and watches it play out and he doesn't intervene. Some of our founding fathers, 
or at least during that time period, there were a significant number of people who believed that God was, he was stepping back from what was going on. But there were others that said, no, he's, he's not a God who has just wound it up and put it in motion. But they said, he's a God that still intervenes. And that's why they were praying. And that's why they were asking for God's direction and God's help at the founding of this nation. He is a God who speaks. So the question is, how does he speak? How do we hear his voice? How can we know that it is God who is speaking to us? These are questions that if you're going to listen for his voice, you you have to know how it is that he speaks and what he speaks and how you can hear and be attuned to his voice. We find God speaking in our text today. Jonah, he is a prophet of God. And every time I say the word Jonah, I got to tell you because I have children and and probably much more with with Anthony than Anna, Jonah, the movie, the VeggieTales movie. That was something that we watched quite a bit. And so every time I say Jonah, I want to just say Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. (laughs) How many of you have seen Jonah, the, the VeggieTales movie of Jonah? You're missing out. If you haven't seen that before this is over, I may just take and put a clip on the screen so you can watch them saying Jonah was a prophet. It's going to change your life, I'm sure. But Jonah is a prophet. We don't know much about Jonah. The text tells us that he is the son of Amittai. And we're like, well, who's Amittai? Anybody know who Amittai is? And nobody knows who Amittai is. 2 Kings 14 and 25 tells us that Amittai was from... A, the Zebulonite, Zebulonite city of Gath-Hefer. And I would challenge any of you, and I probably couldn't find it on a map either. Where was Gath-Hefer in the Bible? It's just some little place. It, it's from the tribe of Zebulon. It's not a big deal. And Jonah, though he's a prophet, he is the son of Amittai. He comes from Gath-Hefer. But what that passage in 2 Kings tells us is that he was a prophet during the reign of Jeroboam II who happened to live and reign between 793 and 753 B.C. And so Jonah was an influential prophet to Jeroboam. He goes to his king and he tells Jeroboam the king, this is what God is saying to you. This is what God is saying to Israel. We don't have the record of any of that. All we know is that Jonah was a prophet from a small city who prophesied during the time of Jeroboam II. And what he prophesied was this. He prophesied that God was going to bless Israel, that God was going to elevate them in the nation. He was going to cause them to prosper. But at the same time, he's talking about God prospering them. He also tells them that there's going to be a moral decline. That Israel, while they're prospering, their morality and their following of God and their serving of God is going to decline. And Jonah knows, at least I think he knows, that there is a coming destruction, that there is a a time of prosperity, but there is going to come a time of destruction. And maybe God tells him that Nineveh is going to play a part in that. I don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but, but what we do know is that he loved his nation of Israel and he hated Nineveh. 
Nineveh, not necessarily at this point the capital of Samaria or of, of Assyria, but it would later become that. It was a, an influential city where many of the kings of the Assyrians would build palaces in Nineveh and other places. It was a great city, the Bible says. It was great not because it was good. It was great just because of its size. Founded in Genesis 10 by Nimrod, this major city of the Assyrians, 120,000 people, the book of Jonah tells us, were living in Nineveh. That's a pretty large city. In Bible times, that's an exceeding large city. That's a significant population. And in fact, the, t- the text tells us later that it's about three days of walking to get across the metropolitan area that was Nineveh. That finally, when Jonah does make it, he walks for three days preaching a message of destruction. Nineveh, located in what is now modern-day Iraq, it is in the northern part of Iraq. In fact, it is a region Ninwa is what they call it today there in Iraq, Mosul. Most of you have heard of Mosul. It is the capital city of that region of Iraq. That is where the city of Nineveh existed. It was surrounded by a brick wall, seven and a half miles long with 15 gates. But that doesn't tell the whole story about how large the city was. But a seven and a half mile wall is a pretty big wall in Bible times. Surrounded on these gates, there were these great winged beasts. They were bulls with wings and human heads. We've got a picture of them. This is actually a replica from the Louvre in France. That's about 12 feet tall, what you're seeing there. And, and Nineveh, at all of its gates, would have these large winged bull creatures with this human head, showing that they were strong and showing that they had all of this might. And Assyria would be a world empire. They would rule the world. The tribute of all of Assyria's captives would come to Nineveh. But who are the Assyrians? Assyria was considered the symbol of terror and tyranny in the Near East for over 300 years. They were worshipers of the sun god Asher. And from that name, Asher, is where we get the word Assyria. It's how we get Assyria. It is derived from the worship of the sun god Asher. They were also worshipers of Ishtar, the goddess of love and war. They were, in essence, lovers of war. They were known for their terribly violent and cruel acts. They would take their captives, and while living, they would impale them on poles and stick them up to show that they were in control and to terrify the enemy soldiers. They would, during the middle of a battle, if they would take somebody alive, they would impale them on these poles and say, if you get captured, this is what's going to happen to you. And their enemies would become afraid, and they would put down their arms, and surrender. They were a terrible, violent people. They were cruel people. And Jonah knows all of this about Nineveh. He knows all of this about the Assyrians. And into that mix, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and says, Go and preach to Nineveh. I don't know that I would do anything different than Jonah did. I don't know that I would look at my enemies and go, sure, I'll go preach to them. 
I know how they hate me, and I know how awful they are. And, and maybe Jonah, because he's a prophet, he knows that in just a few short decades, the Assyrians are going to wipe out Israel. They're going to take them captive and enslave them. I don't know that he knows that, but he, he doesn't like them. He doesn't want to go to them. He doesn't want to preach to them. And so when God's word comes to him and God's voice speaks to him, he has a decision to make. Do I obey or do I disobey? Do I listen to God's voice or do I ignore his voice? And because of his hatred for the Ninevites and his knowledge of God, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but you know the story. Ultimately, God doesn't destroy Nineveh, and Jonah knows that that's likely that when he preaches a message of destruction, that if they call upon God, God is going to relent. He's not going to destroy them. He's like, I, I want them to be destroyed. If I don't tell them that destruction is coming, then God will destroy them. And I hate them, and I refuse to hear and to listen to the voice of God. There's an interesting phraseology that is used here. He rose up to flee from the presence of God. That when he hears God speak, he associates God speaking with God's presence. And if I don't want to hear God speak, then guess what? I need to get out of His presence. That if I don't want to hear the voice of God, if I don't want God to tell me something, then, then I need to stay away from His presence because if I'm in His presence, guess what? God is speaking and He is interacting with me and, and I don't want that. And He says, He arose to flee from the presence of God. God has always spoken when His presence is manifest. From the Garden of Eden, when His presence would come, He would talk to them in the cool of the day. That when God's presence shows up, He's not just there so you get goosebumps. He's not just there so you get feel-good moments. He's there to speak. And Jonah knows, he says, the Bible doesn't tell us that Jonah's in a prayer meeting. He's not in a church service. It just says God speaks, and he says, I don't want to hear what he's saying, so I'm going to get away from his presence. That I'm going to flee from the presence of God. I'm going to go where he doesn't speak. So Jonah got a map that you can see here. Jonah is... On this map, it's just Israel is just south and west of Syria. He's on the edge. He's, on, he's in the city of Joppa. Joppa is actually in a part of modern-day Tel Aviv. You didn't know you were going to get a geography lesson today, did you? But isn't it fascinating? Just kidding. I'm probably the only one that thinks it's interesting to know where this stuff is. But he's in Joppa. And he says, I, I need to get away from the presence of God. So he says, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to catch a ship to Tarshish. That's the Mediterranean Sea right there. Between Greece and Tunisia and Spain and Syria. 
Tarshish is on the coast of Spain. He catches a boat and he goes as far away as he can get. There's no boats going any further. I can imagine he walks into the, the cruise line and he, he tells him, I want to go on the longest voyage that you have, the longest journey. And they tell him it's Tarshish. He said, that's a great place to go. I haven't ever seen it. I bet they're having a lot of fun on the coast of Spain right now. And so he flees to Tarshish to get as far away from the presence of God as he can. But the problem is God's presence isn't limited to a location because we serve a God who is everywhere present. We serve a God that no matter where you go, He is there. We serve a God that no matter what you're doing, He is there. We serve a God that you cannot flee. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Psalm 139. He said, the psalmist said, if I make my bed in hell, He is even there. I can't get away from His presence. And anywhere His presence is, guess what? God is speaking. God is interacting. God is at work in His people. And the question for you today is this. Do you feel His presence? And if you don't feel His presence, I tell you anyway, He is here and He is speaking to you today. That God isn't showing up in a church service to leave you like you are, but He's calling you to something greater, something more. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? He is a speaking God. In the beginning, God said. He spoke the worlds into existence. He is still speaking. In the Bible, over and over, it says the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came to this prophet, and the word of the Lord came to that prophet, and and the word of the Lord came to this person or that king, that God throughout the Old Testament was constantly speaking. Holy men of old spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit would move on people, and then they would speak God's words. That they were speaking in lieu of Him and because of Him. Over and over, the prophets would say, thus says the Lord. That God would speak through people. He would speak through His Spirit. He would speak through His Word. And sometimes, what God would speak would be good. Sometimes, it would be bad. Nathan was a prophet during the reign of David, during the latter part of David's reign, and David of David and Goliath fame. And David had sinned with Bathsheba. He had had Uriah, her husband, murdered. David thinks that everything's going good. He thinks, I've got it under control. I've hid my sin. Nobody knows. Everything's good. But God, who is everywhere present, who sees all things, who speaks, tells Nathan the prophet to go to David and he tells him a parable. That there's a rich man and he has all of these sheep and he has all of this wealth. And then there's this poor man, he's got one little lamb. One sheep that he really loves. It's the only one, it's his prized possession, it's all he's got. And the rich man decides that he's going to throw a party, but instead of taking one of his sheep, And sacrificing that for the party, he takes the sheep of the poor man. 
And David, being the just king that he is, he has this righteous indignation. He said, that's not right, that's not fair. We can't allow that to happen. We need to do something about it. And Nathan looks at David and he points him and he says, thou art the man. It's just a parable. This is what you did to Uriah. You took his only wife. You took the love of his life and you, you stole her away and you killed him. Sometimes when God speaks, it's not positive. At least we don't think it's positive. But I, I would even tell you in this situation of David, it's a positive thing because it turns David's heart back to God instead of hiding his sin. Now he repents and he beseeches God. He turns back to him when the word of God comes. Nathan the prophet gave David another word. In 2 Samuel 7, 16, he says, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established before you. So the same God that speaks and says, that, Hey, this is not right, this is not, you can't do that, is the same God that speaks blessing and speaks prosperity to David's future. He said, Your throne will be forever. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes bad i would tell you he is still speaking he's not just speaking in jonah's day and he's not just speaking in david's day and he's not just speaking in the days of the bible but he still speaks today that he is a god who is not silent but he still speaks just yesterday i was telling someone about god calling us to come to kansas city to plant Cross Church, a clear word from God, it's time to go. And I've probably told you this before, but, but in that process, he spoke something specific and said that I could use an experience that I had at a Bible college to shorten the process of raising funds. And something that had not been done in less than 14 months of full-time traveling around the country raising partners I did on a very part-time basis on the phone in six and a half months. Not because I'm greater, not because I'm good, but it's God's Word. He said, you can do this. And I did what He said that I could do because I followed His voice. That I listened to His voice. That was 2016. He still speaks. In January, He spoke to me through a person I was at a conference. We had just moved into this building, and this building is significantly more expensive than the elementary school that we were renting. And we had money in the bank, and I did the due diligence, and I did the budgets, and I put it all out there. But by the third week of January, the bank account was significantly less than it had been January 1 when I had to pay the first month's rent, and I had to pay a down, a down pay, or deposit on the building. And, and I'm looking at my bank account. In fact, that Thursday morning, I was on my app looking at the numbers in the bank and going, man, I don't know if we're going to do this. Are we going to be okay? And that Thursday night, at the end of service, it was the last service, a guy I didn't know. I'm standing there at this altar call, and, and I'm, I, I didn't leave my pew. There was too many people there, about 2,500 people in this church, and you couldn't really, I mean, it's packed in there. And so I stayed where I was, and I'm, and I'm going, Lord, I need a word 
from you. People had been testifying that God had been speaking to them, and and God spoke this, and God said that, and I'm going, Lord, I, I need a word, and God's not speaking to me at all. I've heard his voice before, but he's not speaking, and I see a guy coming my way, somebody I'd I'd never met, didn't have any idea who they were, and they, they came over to me and they said, out of all the faces in this building, God showed me your face. He said, God told me to come and tell you. He just, he said, actually, he said he gave me one word, finances. He said, everything's going to be all right. God's going to take care of the money. And at that point, my, in my 47 years, I don't know that I've ever had someone come up and give me a specific word for something that I was praying about, going, saying, God, I need you to speak. I need to hear from you again. I've heard your voice, and, and, and sometimes I, I thought I've heard your voice, and maybe I didn't. Lord, I need to know that you're really there and you're really paying attention. I need you to give me a word. And God used a person just like the prophets of old to give me a word from him that everything's going to be okay. We serve a God who speaks. He speaks by his spirit where it's just you and him. And he drops a word in your heart or he he whispers in your ear. And it's, to use the language of Elijah, it's that still, small voice. That it's not a big, booming sound. It's not an audible thing. It's just this still, small voice that you hear in in your spirit and you know that God is speaking. That's how he speaks to us frequently, is through his spirit. But he also speaks through his word. That when you read his word or when you hear his word, it is not just a story. It's not just words on a page. It's it's not just somebody reading words, but it is God speaking to you. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It is a powerful, living, life-giving word. And God speaks through his word. He speaks through his people. He speaks through people that sometimes come up and say, hey, God told me to tell you. He speaks through prophetic words that Pastor Greg gave us a few weeks ago where God told me to tell you, and he gives a word. He speaks through preaching. That when people are standing up doing what I'm doing now and, and they're, they're preaching according to the word of God and they're following the spirit of God, God is speaking to his people. And I would tell you this, that if you don't think he's speaking, it's really not his speaking that's the problem, it is your hearing. He is a God who speaks. And if you can't hear It's not him, but it's you. Are you hearing God's voice? Are you hearing God speak? Are you spending time in his word? Are you tuned in to what he's trying to do? Or are you like Jonah, fleeing from his presence, 
because I don't want to hear him speak. I don't want to spend time in his word because he might speak to me. I don't, I don't want to spend time in prayer because he might speak to me. And I don't want to hear what he's saying. But I would tell you that God is a God who speaks. He is a God who interacts with his people. The question is not, is he speaking, but are you hearing? And maybe more specifically, not just are you hearing, but are you listening? And there is a difference between hearing and listening. If you're married or you have kids, or maybe any number of other situations, you would know that there are times when you, you can hear words being said that people are talking. You can hear them, but you're not really listening. I have a problem, I confess. If somebody in my house is having a conversation, now my son doesn't have this problem, but I have this problem that, that if, if somebody's having a conversation and they're not talking to me, and they all of a sudden start talking to me, if they don't say my name, I have no idea that they're talking. I hear them. They're, they're talking words, man, I, but I'm not listening. Other people in our house, we may not be talking to them, but they're listening. They may get it wrong, but they're listening. They're, they're, they're tuned in to what's being said, but there is a difference between hearing and listening. And sometimes we can hear his voice, but it's just background noise. It's just kind of mixed in with everything else that's going on, but, but what we should do is we should be saying, Lord, I want to hear you speak. I, I'm listening for your voice. Are you speaking to me today? Are, are you speaking to me in this service? Are you speaking to me when I read your word? Are you speaking to me when I'm praying? And I'm listening for his voice. But Jonah, he didn't want to, he didn't want to hear. Jonah said, I'm going to get away from his presence. He speaks right here in, in Joppa. He speaks in Israel. So I'm going to go somewhere else so that he doesn't speak anymore. As musicians come, there are times when I haven't wanted to hear his voice. And I didn't really want God to speak to me because I knew that if he spoke to me, he was going to tell me something I didn't want to hear. That I knew that if he spoke to me, he'd be... He was going to be telling me stuff like, stop doing the stuff that you're doing. It's not pleasing to me. Or I knew if he spoke to me, it was going to be, you need to give all this money away to this people, these people or this mission's cause or whatever it happens to be. And, and I didn't want to hear his voice. When I, when I go to mission services, I'm just, I'm looking at my bank account and I'm hoping God doesn't speak. I'm hoping he doesn't say, just write, just spend all of your savings, give it to missions. But there are times when he has done that. And in those moments, it's not about just hearing his voice, but it's about listening and obeying. It's about getting on 
His frequency. All around us, there are radio waves. Radio waves don't start when you turn on your radio. They're everywhere. You can't see them. You can't feel them. But they're everywhere. If you could see them, this room would be full of radio waves. But it takes tuning a dial into the frequency to get anything out of the radio waves. you got to get it on just the right spot so that you could hear that song or that news program. That would tell you that you have to get your life in alignment with Him so that you could get in tune with what He's saying. That if you want to hear His voice, He will speak. If, if you want to know what He wants you to do, all you have to do is listen. Tune your life in to the frequency that God is on and where He's speaking. You can hear His voice. Jesus spoke in parables. His disciples questioned Him about these these parables, he said, why do you talk to the people in parables? Why do you tell them all these stories? And unlike what most people say, the parable is not so that everything will be clear to everyone. Jesus said, I'm speaking to them in parables because they really don't want to know the truth. And I'm going to tell them these stories so that you who want to know truth, you can get it from the story. But if they don't want to know truth, it's hid from them. All they hear is a cool story, but they don't understand what it means. He wants to speak, but he's not going to force you to listen. He's not going to force you to tune in to his frequency. But he's going to send preachers and he's going to send people to say, Hey, just so you know, God wants to talk to you. God wants to intervene in your life. The question is, do you want to hear? Do you want to know what he wants to say? And I will tell you this, God almost never tells you what you want to hear. Because he's God. And when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah didn't want to hear. That's not what I want you to say, God. I want you to I want you to tell me that you're going to destroy them and you don't want me to tell them that it's coming. You don't want me to tell them about destruction. Just wipe them all out. God, I want you to speak to me about prosperity, that everything's going to be great and that maybe you're going to use Israel to wipe out Nineveh. That's what I want to hear. God, but I don't want to hear that you want me to go and preach to these people. We have a choice today. can listen and obey his voice or we can disobey his voice when he speaks and unlike Jonah's physical action of fleeing from God's presence I will just tell you this that every time he speaks and you put your hand up and say God I don't want to hear that 
may not be physically fleeing from his presence, but every time you disobey, you're really fleeing from his presence. He will at some point stop speaking. He will at some point take his presence from you if you refuse to listen and obey. Oh, and I'll be honest with you, this message is probably a little more somber than I intended. So I don't know why I ended up here. Maybe it's because God has been speaking to someone here. And you need a reminder that it's not just enough to hear his voice, but that you have to obey what he says. Let's stand together. One last Bible story. Saul in the Old Testament, king over Israel. Samuel the prophet comes and tells Saul a word from God. He says, this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to wipe them all out. When you go into battle, kill everybody. I'm not going to get into the theology of that. I'm just going to tell you guys to kill them all. Kill all the animals too. They're an abomination. I don't want to swipe them out. And Saul decides that he doesn't want to do that. He wants to spare the king and, and he wants to take all the best animals. And, and it wasn't that he didn't know God's word. It wasn't that he didn't know what God wanted him to do. But, but when Samuel shows up, he says to Saul, did you do what God said? And Saul said, oh yeah, I did it all. And Samuel says, well, why then do I hear the lowing of the cattle and the bleeding of the sheep if you did what God said to do? And Saul, instead of repenting, makes up the story. Well, it's the people. They wanted to do this or they wanted to do that. And his disobedience to the voice of God resulted in God taking the kingdom from him. my admonition to you today is this whenever God speaks there is no option but to obey that whenever God's word tells you to do something it's not an option of going I, I, well that's that may be good for some but I don't really want to do that I, I don't want to hear that I don't, if you're not careful too many times of saying no his presence will be taken from you what do you do today spend time in his word if you're not reading the word of God make time to read the word of God on a daily basis so that God can speak to you through his word spend time in prayer not just saying words not just making your petitions but spend time in prayer asking God to to, to speak to you and to give you wisdom and give you direction and give you guidance faithfully attend church so that God can speak to you through his people so what I want you to do today is this 
because we're supposed to be socially distancing, I'm going to let you stay where you are. But I want you to ask God to speak to you. If you've never heard His voice, ask Him to speak to you. Ask Him to allow you to hear His voice. And then pray for the courage to obey whatever He says. He may just say, I I just want you to know that I'm here, that I love you. Or He may say, I want you to do this, or I want you to do that. That whatever He speaks to you, ask Him for the courage to obey. So right now, would you close your eyes, and would you lift your voice, and would you talk to God right now, and would you petition Him to speak? Lift your hands if you would like to, and just as a sign of surrender, saying, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want you to speak to me, Lord. I want to hear your voice, Jesus. I want to hear your voice, Jesus. God, I want to know what you
I'm just going to ask you to, to reach out to the Lord a little bit longer. Feel that God wants to do something in somebody's life. Would you just continue to seek after Him and reach out to Him right now? Jesus, we need you. God, we want your voice to be at work in us. We want your voice to be at work in us. Maybe if you would just reach over and pray to the person for the person next to you. Would you reach over and ask God to speak to them, be at work in there. There's nobody like you, Lord. There's nobody like you, Lord. thank you that you are indeed a God who speaks Lord that you haven't just left us to figure things out on our own but you are the God who intervenes in our lives who gives us your wisdom your direction who tells us how you want us to live what you want us to do what you want us to be thank you for your love today thank you for your mercy for your grace Thank you for your voice. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Well, it's a sad day for some of us today. The Hilliard family, they are moving to Florida. Today is their last service with us. And so, obviously, we're going to miss them. And we really wish they would listen to the voice of God and stay. But, no, I'm just kidding. I do want them to listen to the voice of God, but I, I don't know what the, the 
will of God is for their life, but they have prayed and have decided to move to Florida. So we want to pray for them. We want to pray God's blessing and favor on them. And if you guys wouldn't mind coming, you stand right here. We'll try not to breathe on you guys too much, but we want to pray that God will give you favor, that he will give you blessings, that he will be at work in all you do, and that he would use you greatly for his kingdom. If you want to just face the audience there, why don't you stretch a hand toward them, Daniel, Alex, and little Hazel here. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you have been doing in this family, for the blessings that you have bestowed upon them. God, I pray for your favor, your continued hand to lead and guide them in all that they do. God, I pray that you would be with them, help them to find the church family that they need to continue to grow in their relationship with you. And Lord, we just dedicated little Hazel just a few weeks ago. And Lord, I pray that your favor and blessings would be upon her. God, as she grows up to know you and to serve you in all that she does, I pray that she would love you with all of her heart with all of her days. We thank you, Jesus.